If you enjoy listening to inspirational stories from people just like us, facing the fear and doing it anyway, then you're in the right place. My name is Claire Hill and this is the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Welcome to the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. My name is Claire Hill, self-belief coach, blah, 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 founder of the Vivid Business Club. You know, I'll just feel a bit embarrassed to myself because I've got a very good friend, Rich, here today to talk to you um, about bowel cancer. I just go straight in. That's what we're going to, we're here to talk about. Um, and I only like him because he's married to one of my best mates. Wow. <laughs> you, said, you said to say that. I don't think you say that. I thought I'd get a good introduction. Um, Thanks. Nice to be here. All-time um, fun-time guy um, yes. who is loves running, running again, climbed Kilimanjaro, Mount Kilimanjaro, can you say I that? Did. I did. Works for Mary Curie, um, doesn't like spicy food, um, broke his back falling out of the loft. Um, being with my best mate for like how long have you been with Annie? Like twenty years. Two thousand five, I met her. New Year's okay. Eve, two thousand five. Eighteen years. Um, yes. so I met you eighteen years ago. And we were all like, "Who's this guy?" Um, comes from Bristol. Loves rugby. Loves football. I do love a bit. You of got sport. a brother. Your dad's called Barry Scott. What else do I know? Silic <laughs> Bangman. Silic Bangman. He's not actually the Cynic Bang Man. It's no, funny no, though when that was out, wasn't it? What else do I know about you? I don't know. Um, no. Like us, I suppose Frank. it's just kind of come out. We've known you for a long time. It's been a while. And you've got great taste in women because you're married to um, Annie Harrod, um, who I thought, <laughs> I didn't know. Her her she, full she name is Anne Harrod. <laughs> We're standing at Tesco's, 19 years old, going, buying our shopping. And she signed a card when you used to sign bank cards, A. Reese. I was like, why are you writing Reese? Like, that's my name. I was like, no, your name is Annie Harrod. No, my name is Anne Harrod, Laura Reese. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's when I learned. <laughs> she tells that story still. No, actually. She loves really? It. Yeah. Whenever <laughs> anyone can't say her name, you're the person that she will. Oh, really? Yeah. Have she t- has she told you the story about when we first met? I started talking Welsh. No, she's not told me that story. <laughs> so her mum and uncle and her aunt, you know, they all came down and we all went out in like West London because I because um, Serena and Shamran Zara and that, and I don't think actually I'd met Shamran Zara at that point, but they all used to go home at the weekend, so it'd just be me and Annie because we were like we're not bothering, and so we used to just do weird stuff at the weekends together. Normally ended up with her eating some kind of mushroom ravioli or something. Um, but anyway, her, her family came and they're all Welsh and Annie's Welsh, you know, good old Newport. And I just suddenly just started just started talking Welsh, <laughs> like having this Welsh accent because I was just with her all the time. And when I'd ring home, they're like, why are you talking so weirdly? I was like... I just like absorbed this Welsh accent. He's never told me that story. Yeah, yeah. Good times. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gone there. That her Welsh accent's gone there. Just a few words like saucepan and a few little things. Oh, tough. Cleaner tuffs. She's Bristolian, though, isn't she? In Do it. you think? No, not really. And she'll hate me for saying that. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, she's she's Welsh, but she has, you know, she's full. Well, I've been to Bristol recently because I went for the Vivid Business Club meetup and I stayed in Clifton. Oh, Didn't have time nice to see area. you guys. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, Clifton's lush. Yeah. Girt lush, really as they'd say in, in Bristol. Yeah, it was lovely. And I've got a couple of clients that live in Bristol. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, re- I really enjoyed it. And I'm back actually. So I might actually get time to see you this time. I'm back in the January. But anyway, 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 we're, we're not here to talk about our friendship though. It's funny. Um, I was just, just a, a memory's just flashing my mind when you went to the pub with Dan and you met, you named all the characters in the pub. Oh, what was the name? Mick the Hat. Mick the Hat. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. a good weekend, wasn't it? Yes. Um. Anyway, anyway, we digress. We digress because the last coming up for so it was August last year. Um, it was like the seventeenth of August or something, wasn't it? Something like 18th, that. Eighteenth. A day. Pretty good memory. Yeah. Well, I remember exactly when I found out, and it was like because we all knew you were going for this test. And I remember saying to Annie, if he wants to know about FODMAP, because of what's going on with my stomach, like, you know, all my stomach issues, I was like, let, I'll coach him through FODMAP. It will be, you know, any sort of thing, we'll get to the bottom of it. But you were going in for your colostomy. No, not colostomy, the the camera. A colonoscopy. (laughs) Yes. That's it. Yes. And fully expecting to come out of IBS. Yeah. That, That was the, that was the plan. Yeah. And I think... We, we were all texting and then I was like, oh, Rich has had that test. Annie, how's Rich got on today? And then we had that text back, Rich has got cancer. Yeah. Yes, that was a um, that was a day. Because it was, much like you said, like I would openly chatted about my bowel habits beforehand and been to doctors and it was very much expected that it was IBS. Colonoscopy would confirm that but I remember having a colonoscopy which isn't nice anyway no um, but very vital part of obviously diagnosis mm. and then getting put into a, a side room and them calling Annie and I had before they told me I kind of knew because I think you don't get put into side rooms to get told mm. book your next appointment and then yeah being told and hearing that word and I mean I work for a charity that deals with with cancer mm. um as, as one of the things that looks after and yeah, I think hearing the cancer word was a, a shock to both of us at that time. Um, and it probably took a good few weeks for us to fully accept and come to terms with kind of what we were hearing, really. Mm. Um, yeah. It must have been that. in that first day, because I, I mean, again, like I know we, and we were talking to Annie daily at the time and stuff, but I think it was... At that preliminary point, you're told this, but there was no plan of action at that point, was there? That was sort of like, you know, I think then you had to go in for your MRI, didn't you? Yeah. So, so I think the difficulty generally with any kind of cancer is people talk about the waiting. Um, when you have a plan, things become not easier, easier, but they become mm. much easier to kind of deal with. Yeah. At that point, it was very much we we're pretty sure it's cancer. We can see see a growth. However, we need to do more tests to understand what that is, what it looks like. We had an mm. MRI and a CT scan mm. and a PET scan. So all the scans yeah, um, to, to determine what what that cancer was, where it was. And it was during those scans that I kind of learned that it had 
spread to the liver. Um, so when it spreads to a different part, that's when it becomes stage four. Um, so not only did I have it in the bowel, but I also had nine different growths within my liver as well. And I think for, for us, that was that was the hardest the hardest thing to hear because mm -hmm. you're you can deal with it in one place some of the time, most of the time now. But when it spreads, that's that's when obviously you you start to worry and Google becomes your enemy. Um, and I remember being told that it was spread. And again, I was at home working, sat in this very chair, and they asked if I could come in to get my results. And I'd ask when, and they were like, if you could come in today, that'd be really good. And if your wife's available, that'd be really helpful as well. Mm. And again, it's, you you know, that that's not good news. Yeah. Um, and I remember her telling us it had spread and being told that it doesn't get any more serious without being told it's inoperable. So at that point we were well, just kind of hit with a sledgehammer really. And yeah, just lots of tears, lots of tissues. And ultimately you, you think the worst because that's how the yeah. brain naturally works and I remember it took a few days and been led in bed one evening and just the floodgates opened for me and it was it was thinking about my two girls Erin and Hattie yeah um thinking about birthdays and Christmases and them going to high school and being there to support Annie through the teenagers of two girls which I'm well, to be fair, excited. Erin's already there, isn't she? I mean, she's pretty much there already. Um, <laughs> and and all of that just kind of hit home that there's a there's a high like, a high chance I won't be there for that. Um, yeah. And it's hard not to get drawn into that into that rabbit hole rabbit hole of thoughts. So yeah, so that that early stage was just tough um, mm. on me. But actually, and I talk about this in the blog that I wrote. Actually, there's no support for the people really that. Are there on the journey with you and I hate to use the word journey I use roller coaster mm. um and yeah so Annie was going through all of the same things as what I was going through but actually whereas I had her for support I think sometimes she probably felt guilty to lean on me for that support mm. because for her I was going through it but for me we, we all were and um yeah it was a it was a tough a tough time mm. well I know when she was we used to text her every day and it just got to the, you know, she was just like, yeah, I'm still obviously in bits. And it's just so hard to, like, what do you say back? But we, I used to just, I used to actually send her messages like, I'm just sitting quietly now and I'm going to use the force of the universe to just send you some love. Because I just didn't know, you know, you just don't know what else to do. So I used to just think and sit really quietly and just try and beam love out of me, which just sounds so ridiculous now, but you just sort of like, you just want to help in any way you can. And then I think we pay for our hair to be done and we sent food and we just did stuff like that because it was like, Yeah, you know. and, and, do, and do you know what? It's, I don't, it must be hard for people who know someone who's going through it because you don't know what to say. And and there's sometimes where people say things and you don't want to hear it. It's, mm. it's sometimes a, you often get people comparing you to, to their their stories oh but, but my my mum had bowel cancer and she's alive 25 years later which is wonderful to hear by the mm. way um but equally actually I'm not your mum and I think it's recognizing that everyone's everyone's experience is different um and just because one person is is alive doesn't mean someone else will mm. um and you often get people saying how if you're, you're really you're a strong person you'll be fine um and again that's really for me that kind of undermines 
all of those people that have lost their lives through cancer because they're incredibly strong people um so I think sometimes it's just knowing that people are there is enough Mm. and you don't need to be saying how are you sometimes exactly what you said is all that people need it's just the fact that Mm. you know that you're there because sometimes it is easy to hide away from from talking Mm. to people that are going through difficult times yeah because that's, that's the easy option yeah, I think when we, we found out, me and Dan actually had a conversation. He was like, I really want a message. And I was like, well, you know, you, you're you allowed to know. I think we all have to, I don't think I wanted to sh- shy. Well, I think I texted you, you know, a few times. It was just like, you, you know, you're all right. And got you an audible as well. Because like, I read somewhere like, if someone's got cancer, get him audible for chemo. And I was like, I bought you audible. <laughs> just like, just and, do you and know. I was used to using it. I, I, I know I downloaded a few books, but I was terrible at using it. Um, yeah, that's fine though, but... I, it was something, it was, then you had options. And I suppose I when you haven't got options right then, because everything's out of control, at least you have options of you can control what you consume in regards to books. And uh, I don't know, it's sort of like giving you more options for something to control. It was. And I, I got so many books, um, actually, to get me through chemo. Um, and I didn't read any, any of them because it was just the most horrific time in the world. Um, but yeah, people did send me loads of things. And you started off sending me, I want to say it was a joke or a gif a day. I did, yeah. Um, Some shit joke every day. Um, but that's because I asked people to do that. Because when I, I remember a ninth, yeah. not a ninth note, like a ninth note, oh, I have cancer. I didn't announce it in that way. No. Um, but I remember when I just put it on social media because I didn't want to go through the same conversations with no. loads of different people. And I said to people, "Don't, I don't want pity. I don't want you saying, oh, I'm really sorry. Just send me a joke. Um, yeah, and I just got loads of really shit jokes, basically. that was great i'll send you like clips as well like watch oh that was it it's funny instagram reels that's what i was sending yeah i still see the instagram duck like (laughs) the most random instagram page um but yeah like it was things like that 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 were helpful in those early early times Mm. in the unknown the unknown times um because at that stage there wasn't there wasn't a plan and we didn't know what was going to happen because we didn't even know at that stage about the liver and whether they could operate Okay, so then you had, so what was the process of going from, it's in your liver, we're going to do your, all of this, we've done the scans, we know it's there. What was then the next step? So once they had all the scans and they knew where it was, um, generally they then do the chemo before the operation. Um, So that was the, that was the plan for me. So I was given a list of dates. And at that stage, I was told I'd have eight cycles of chemotherapy. Um, which are you'd go in for an infusion on the first day and you'd have two weeks of taking tablets and that was eight tablets a day and then you get a week off to recover and then you start again. Um, so I started that in the October um, and I remember the last, I finished on Christmas day, I think that was the last tablet I took for those, those cycles. And yeah, they were, I mean, chemo is just horrible. You had quite a few side effects though. Yeah, they, from the I like anti sickness stuff and whatever. Yeah, so the first two sessions I had, they were giving me steroids and anti sickness drugs, um, but I did not react well mm-hmm. with them, and I was men- mentally more than anything in a dark place. And I always I try and think back to how you could describe it, and it's like just being locked in your own head and not being able to get out. Um, mm-hmm. And Annie was sat out here and working because she wouldn't go into work. She working at home because you could be here with me and I'd just be pace literally pacing up and down the room inside 
because I just just in a mentally just in a horrific place and as much as there are physical side effects so cold hands cold feet so I couldn't pick up milk bottles or, or hold kind of knives and forks because mm. it was just too cold on my hands really sore throats um it was the it was the mental the mental anguish really um mm. and they eventually took me off of the, the steroids um and I got referred to a psychologist which was incredible and that really helped me to kind of lock things in cupboards and and deal with the here and now a lot more and try not to think too far ahead in mm. in that roller coaster um and I've been quite good at doing that but sometimes it was, it was getting that reassurance of all you can actually do right now is is deal with what you're going through like yes you've got more to come mm. but that's but that's to come um so yeah so those chemo chemo times it was dark it was winter anyway so I think that doesn't help no um but we met some again you, you meet some amazing people um I mean met a few lovely people um in the in the center but it was just I remember the first the first session I downloaded um oh, who was that guy that killed people in his house I forget now Charles Manson no it begins with D it was on Netflix recently a series oh the um Dharma yes yeah so I downloaded that series to watch because I thought it'd be good to watch something <laughs> oh my god you yeah. what I got for about like 20 minutes whilst I had the, the infusion of my arm. So it was, the drip was going in um, and you're there for about three hours. So it's good to have things to do. Um, and I had I had this and I was like, I just, I just, I mean, A, it was terrible to watch anyway. And B, I was just feeling like the more the infusion goes in, the more affection, your mind then starts going through like, oh my God. And it's just, yeah. So that is that that i mean did you know the story of that serial killer before i knew like a little (laughs) bit about him but not not as much so yeah we got through 20 minutes and i've never been able to go back and watch it and i don't think it's because i'm bothered by what he did because obviously he didn't do very good stuff that doesn't bother me i love gore annie doesn't watch a horror movie it's a horror movie i love a horror movie Mm. but i think it's it's the memories it brings back for me of where i was when i started to watch it Um, yeah of course so, so i'll never watch that now it's but that's not a bad thing because no. it, it did seem pretty. Well, do you know, I, me and Dan got to the end and you actually end up feeling sorry for him. It's really good. It is actually a very good oh. series. The first episode is probably, it slams you in the face and then it gets a little bit easier. It does. It's definitely a hard hitting. And it is. At that moment in time, yeah. I had all these, yeah. drugs, all these <laughs> drugs dripping into me. Um, you should have watched like My Little Pony or something. I, I should have gone so lit. I think that I had a Big Bang Theory as well, which is a go-to yeah. for us. So yeah, so that that was chemo, and it was, I mean, for anyone who's been through it, they'll know it's just horrible, horrible times really, and and it affects everyone differently. Um, mm. I was lucky that my my hair didn't fall out, um, which is probably good for me because I got quite a long head, and I don't think I'd look good <laughs> if I was if I was bold. Um, right. So yeah, so I I was lucky with that. Um, but yeah, and mm. the whole time, so today the girls had to take into school something that they can talk about. There's no pen day. So there's no writing. It's just getting children to talk. And Erin's taken in a little penguin. I had a pocket penguin that the girls bought me to take to every scan, every chemo session, because they couldn't be there. Mm. Um, so this penguin like came with me like every, every little place. And he always sat on the table whilst I was having my chemo. Um, and she's taken it in today so she can talk about this little penguin and, and why it's important to her. And I was like, oh, that's lush. He's cute. They it are. Cute. You've got it beautiful girls. Well, they they are good. These little letters and cards to you and that. Oh, and bless them. Yeah, I remember telling them actually. I, I remember the day we told them. 
Um, Because we hadn't told him initially when I first got told I had cancer because Mm. until we knew what it meant and kind of what what the prognosis was, we figured it wasn't, it was best to not tell him. Erin had picked up that I wasn't well and she'd kind of said, don't seem very well. You seem tired a lot of time. Mm. Um, But we told them that I had cancer um, and Hattie was just like, okay, cool. Can we just go back to Pemaro, can't I? I was like, yes, (laughs) yes, we can. We, We can definitely do that. Um, but they, they've been brilliant the whole mm. way through, which is which is good. And I'm all about being open. I've always been open to the girls about what death is and, and kind yeah. of being able to talk about things. But I want them to grow up to be able to talk to people and not think that they have to keep things hidden and and secret. Um, so, yeah, they've been phenomenal. Bless them. Yeah, you have got special girls, special girls. So you had the chemo, it's I Christmas, did. and they sort of, they scanned you just after Christmas, didn't they? Was it? They did, yes. I had another one after Christmas to to see how the the chemo had had worked, essentially. Mm. Um, and at that point, they said it had obviously shrunk the tumours. So the ones in the liver had shrunk really small, um, and the one on the bowel had shrunk as well. And the, the good thing about that was, at that point, they were able to say, because the chemo's worked in the liver, it means that we'll be able to operate on the liver um, mm. because obviously we always knew that if they couldn't operate on the liver, that's very much then a, a manager in the situation. And mm. that can go on for, for many years. Like people yeah. live for tens of years in that situation. So mm. again, we didn't know what it was, but I hadn't drunk since I'd been diagnosed. And I remember mm. that day of being told we can operate on the liver. I treated myself to a shandy. <laughs> and um, after we picked up the girls from school, because it was, it was, it was, I learned to take the small wins. And I've, I've listened to you talk a lot about this, um, about how sometimes it's, you can impact everything, but you can take the small wins and you can celebrate every little small thing you do. And that's what we used to do. And um, for me, it wasn't me being cured. It wasn't everything being perfect. But what it was was saying, do you know what? We can impact this and we can do something about, about that. So yeah, so I was scanned. That was booked in. And then there's a, a waiting game, basically, to be able to have that that operation on the liver, which mm. wasn't as simple as what it should have been, because the liver, they needed to remove half of my liver. Um, mm. But to be able to live and for your body to function, they need to leave at least 35% behind, which mm. I always find incredible, the fact that they can take away oh, that much of your liver and, and the fact that it will then grow back. Um, but when they did, they had to do a bit of a, they got a clever person that can measure how much of your liver will be left once they remove the bits that have got the, wow. the um, but they're the good at maths. They must be really, well, you hope, you hope they're good yeah, at maths. You hope so, yeah. Um, and they obviously, not only do they need to remove it, they need to leave good margins just to ensure there's there's no no cells that are left they can't see. Mm. But when they measured mine, obviously, because you're never going to get good news all the time, there was going to be, it wasn't enough left if they removed it all. But they can do magic where they can basically do a portal vein embolization. Oh, yes. Yeah. Big words. Mm. Where they essentially they add super glue, in essence, into one of your veins going into the bad side of your liver. So the blood stops going there, diverts to the good side, and the good side will grow bigger in, in a really unscientific way, I guess. So, yeah, so I had, I had that. And then it was a waiting game again just to allow that side of the liver to grow. Um and you're waiting constantly. And of course, the mental side of that is you're yeah. constantly thinking, what if that doesn't work? What if it doesn't grow? What if it doesn't, yeah. what if it doesn't improve? Um, but luckily, 
on on my scan, my next scan, they um they said that it had grown to a big enough stage, and that I'd be having the operation. I think it was about two weeks from then, really. So yeah, it's just it's a plan again, and I think that's it's for me. It's all of that stage, as horrific as it was, and it was like the chemo, the operations. Mm -hmm. They were somewhat easier mentally than what I probably go through now because I had I had a plan, yeah. and I was I was in, I wasn't in control, but I knew somebody was in control. I had the chemo that was doing what I needed to do. Yes, it may not work, but it was doing something. Yeah. Then I had the operations that was doing something to deal with what I was going through. Taking action. Yeah, and I think when you have that, it helps, and you also think that the people doing it are they're obviously experts in in that field. So if they're saying that's what we've got to do. I was happy with that. I was happy as I can be, I guess. Mm, yeah. And then you met the, I remember when you went in and Annie was like, I, I don't know if this was the portal vein one, the Avengers guy. The Avengers, the Avengers guy. Surgeon. Oh, the sur surgeon, the Avengers guy. Surgeon. And she comes, she's just texting me like, I've just literally, this surgeon is just like one of the best people I've ever met and um, just made you feel so much at ease i mean these people that do these jobs are like another oh, level aren't they they're incredible yeah mr abadi so he was a surgeon who did the actual the liver itself and he was just incredible like mm. very matter of fact very to the point um and i remember actually before i'd even had the portal vein he'd given me a choice of we can either remove half your liver if that doesn't work though obviously there's nothing more we can do if there's still some on the other side because there's not enough left then or we can essentially go in and burn each of the nine kind of metatasses i can't even say that word so mm. you know what i mean though that are there and we can burn each of them individually which means your whole liver's there still so we can deal with anything else extra but we can't be sure that we've got everything doing it that way so there's a risk mm. that we don't catch it all um but you have to make that decision and of course they don't really give you their opinion because it's got to be your decision. And it was like, yeah. I remember that being in the hot seat of who wants to be a millionaire and having to make a choice of, of what's what's best. Um, and if I'm honest, it was really easy because I do deal in the here and now. And yeah. the here and now was, well, actually, if you take half my liver, you will take all nine of the, the areas that we are aware of that there is cancer. Um, and if there's one on the other side that we can't see, well, it's there. Like It'll be there with whatever side you do. So. Mm. So yeah, so he no, he was he was matter of fact, very much to the point, um, all smartly dressed, but just just incredible. Um, and yeah, the surgery itself, like how they can be there for well, it's about eight hours. I was I was down there for, and how they can just be working on something for that long yeah. at that level of detail. Um, yeah, it's it's in, incredible, incredible people, and all of the NHS. I'm. Yes, there were there are issues for my diagnosis, but but since then, bar one or two people that were slightly rude, they're they're, they're incredible people that probably get a, a bad rep, but they're out there to doing the best they can to to help to help people. But I have no complaints about them. No, and I think you it is that sort of specialization, those people that go into that that have really supported you. I mean, we don't have to go into details of where the story began with the NHS because of stuff going on, but um what made you first go to the doctors to be like something is not right? 
Um, the first would have been because I was having blood in my in my poo, mm. um, and that would be, became continuous. It was happening. Tired as well, like always tired. Um, so yeah, they were the they were the things, and and as much as people don't like talking about poo, I mean, some people it's this whole taboo taboo mm. subject. I want to write a book, by the way, about the, the poo that's not taboo. Another child's book. That's my that's my plan. Oh yes. Um, but I don't know how to do it yet. So if anyone's got ideas about how I can make a book about poo, that'd be really useful. But I was, it is good for us to, to check our poo. And and actually, I was kind of seeing this blood on a regular basis. Then COVID hit. So I was, I'd, I'd, we won't go into the detail about the doctors. But yeah, mm-hmm. I was, for me, it was a, it was bloody and mucusy poo. Mm. Tiredness. Um, and I think Annie had noticed that I'd probably lost weight as mm. well. And I don't really have much no, a bit lanky, aren't you? At the best of times, but they were yeah. the they were the key things, really, and it, it progressively just became worse. and And I think that's why. And the key thing from today, really, and the key thing I said anyone who I talk to about what I've been through is, yes, I've been through a, a horrible time, but actually, if it en- encourages anybody to to basically check check their poo, um, then they should definitely do that because being aware of what's normal for you. Mm. and what's not normal can be that that chance of getting a diagnosis early and actually with bowel cancer um i think the stat is that for nine out of ten cases that are caught early those people go on to to survive and, and live perfectly normal lives mm. the, the risk with bowel cancer is when it's not caught early um which is a stat that i fell into so for me reading that that whole actually if it's not caught early you're at high risk again how that plays on your mind um and again i think traditionally we look at cancer generally but specifically bowel cancer as an old person's mm-hmm. like illness yeah. you're, you're you're too young like and i think that's the issue sometimes with a young person who's presenting symptoms of blood in their stool it's naturally diagnosed probably as ibs in a lot of people and i've met mm-hmm. several people in exactly the same situation as me who had exactly the same well it's mis- me i was exactly that yeah yeah and I, and I think people do and it's naturally you think you're too young for it to be bowel cancer so it must be this mm. Mm. um so I just would urge anybody that any concerns to do with that then it is talking talking to your GP um and keep pushing because I probably failed to do that enough it's, it's keep pushing and if you're not happy mm. with, with what they're telling you I think it is it is pushing a lot more and I think that is we spoke we talk about it more and bowel cancer themselves do a whole lot of work now with under 50 year olds because they recognize that more and more young people are getting diagnosed um and it's it's horrible just to hear that but actually it's really treatable if if you catch it early um so yeah check your poo everyone yep check your poo can't check i talk about poo. poo all the freaking time and i've made lots of christmas poos christmas poos. um which the inspiration comes from Mr. Hankey from South Park. Um, oh, I've lost you. I'm here. Oh, you are. Sorry, you froze for a second ah. on the screen. You're there. No, I'm still here. Um, so I wanted to actually make a proper poo emoji, but it didn't work out. So I've just written, we've done the word poo with a Christmas hat and raising money. So what's your total at the moment? Raising... Oh, we haven't even spoke that. What are you raising? What are you doing to raise money? <laughs> said that bit. We haven't, have we? No. So, I'm, so I am running the London Marathon in April for Bowel Cancer UK. 
Um, but I think the more amazing thing is that my good and amazing wife, Annie, who, as you're very aware, Claire, is, is not a runner <laughs> in the slightest. And she will, she she will she'll be fine with me saying that. Yeah, but um, a, a, she had a burst a few years ago and she did a short, 10K, didn't she? Short distance running, yeah. Um, yeah. Bless her. Annie is also running the London Marathon because she wants to basically, she's seen me go through what I've gone through and she wants to basically, it's her way of being able to say, I'm there. Not that she needs to, because I'm fully well that you're there. And for me, the chance to run it with Annie and actually support her through probably her most challenging ever thing um, is, is amazing. So, yeah, we're both running the London Marathon for, for Bowel Cancer UK. Very lucky to have got places with them. Um, and we're up to £5,200, um, which is amazing. And we're so grateful for everyone who has supported us mm. already. And we're very lucky that people are supporting us. Um, but we want to get to 10. That's my aim. Although I've just yeah. given Paige her seven and a half and we only had to raise five. Um, we want to get to 10. Yeah. That's the aim. That's my aim. I really want to get there. And yeah, you're, and yeah, you're really helping. I really want to help. So I've, so with the, so, so far, I think I sold a few more. So I think I'm up to 590 or maybe 600. Brilliant. So that's going to be nearly six grand then that you've got. Yeah. So yeah. if I get this extra 400, so my goal is a thousand for you. We'll tip over the six grand. You got your sausage fest. Got my sausage fest. And I've I've texted and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and run the ten k at the same time with Dan. Um. So you're gonna be a toad in the hole. Yeah, I'm gonna be a toad in the hole, but I'm gonna give, still give you a tenner. Not a. Oh, bless you. So I'm gonna try. I'm, I haven't actually told him yet. He's gone off the ball with his running, and I'm That's like running all the time. He's Yes, get his, get on it, Dan. Uh, so yeah, I think on that's the fourteenth of January, isn't it? Fourteenth of January, sausage fest. Which, sausage fest. Yeah, when my mum starts asking me how's the sausage fest going, I'm a little bit. I'm <laughs> <laughs> thought about this. My mum when you start asking me, <laughs> bless her. Love it. Um, so you're doing that. You've got um, Annie's got her fortieth in June, isn't there? Like. Nobody's getting her presents. Everyone's got to donate instead yeah. of something. It's, it's a glitter for the shitter 40th birthday party. That's it. Um, we love we love a, a poo pun in our household now. Yeah. Um, uh, we love a poo pun. So, yeah, she's done that. And the girls' school is supporting us. So they've already done a non-uniform day. But they're also going to do in April a mini marathon. <gasps> so every, every child's going to run a mile, which means every class, in essence, will run a marathon. And we're going to try and get each kid to get £2.60 sponsorship. Oh. So, yeah, That's so they're, brilliant. they're really keen. So, again, I mean, the school have been incredible the whole way through in terms of looking out for the girls, like supporting us. Um, so, yeah, so they're going to they're gonna support us as well. I might get Jackson to do a bit of a sponsor. If I get Jackson to run a mile, I don't know if we can, though. Of course he can. We can yeah, all run a mile. Yeah, of course he can. Yeah. If he runs a mile and get people to sponsor him to run a mile, that could, yeah. he'll do that. That'll be it. good. Give him a medal. I'll make him a medal. Get him a little yeah, that. medal. That's another thing. If anyone else wants to do the same with their kids, so to put in the pot, um, I'm going to think of something, some kind of raffle or something in the spring to try and. I mean, what's the point in having all these followers if I can't do something with it? So rinse them. Rinse I mean, if you're them. listening, you're a follower. Just expect to open your purse. That's what I do. Um, with my friends turn the shoe, and they're used to it. Me because I I work in charity. So over the years, I've always been. Yeah. going to them for money and time so they're they're very much used to me saying please yeah but this is this is more personal so uh, yeah they're all yeah you can really milk i them. can really milk it 
<laughs> yes. And I do. And I like and I joke about it anyway. Like I'm through this whole roller coaster, humor has been my friend. Mm. I think I think some people struggle with the humor. My mum definitely struggles when I joke about my situation. Um and in the dark times, joke about it, well, I might not be here, so that's fine. Or I'm your favourite son now, because you don't <laughs> know loves I'm that. here for. So, um, so yeah, she she was a bit like, oh, no, don't talk about that. Mm. But, for, but for me, it, it, it kind of, it drags me through. Remember that Facebook page, something I was like, cancer, you can fuck off. And then your mum said, fuck, and then you were like. Fuck. I know, I was shocked. My mum never swears. Um, But they've, they've really struggled, because I don't they don't know how to deal with it. Um, no, of course not. And they and they don't know how to deal with, with me. Um, and they don't like to ask for where I'm going and when when my next appointment is. Um, mm. I lose track. There are too many. But yeah, bless them. Yeah. So marathon in April. Oh, and we're coming to watch. We're all coming to cheer you on. That's it. Cool. Going to be exciting. Um, and then have to like you're going to have to book an area for people to, afterwards. Have some. Like I, celebrate I, need, with you. I need to think I need to think about this. What we're gonna do afterwards. Yeah. I'm hoping in Balkan to have a um a hotel. A lot of charities have hotels afterwards where you get to go oh, for really? a shower or a massage. Um so I'm hoping that they've got one that we can go to as a as a for our post race. Otherwise we're gonna stink. Yeah. No one wants to hug a stinker. No, I'd, I, well I'd I'd hug you if you stink. You just oh, run a marathon. That. I mean, come on. Twenty six point two miles, yeah. Yeah, this is actually Annie's second marathon, though. I know, because... I know. She, yes. Because every, we... yeah, every time I go in the loft, I'm reminded of your um, your walk because she's got the picture frame of my the, arm when the bra is in there. Still. So we were we did the breast breast cancer moonwalk in 2006, so 17 years ago, whatever it was, and um, it was the it was horrendous, and none of us trained, and it took us about 11 hours. And we were this massive page in the, I think it was the Times of the Telegraph, huge page p- picture of the four of us um, because Zara didn't do it for some reason. Can't remember why. Um, she was probably, she's sensible with Zara. She's got a good, she's got wise, a good. <laughs> wise choice. So there's a big picture of us and everybody, there's a, Serena looks so serene with her lovely face, looking so calm. And then it's just my arm from my elbow hanging out of this picture. That's all you can see. And we all decorated our bras and that. But anyway, it was horrendous. Raised loads of money, though. We did that for Shama's mum. But She, she said, and she, she does talk about how horrendous that was. Yeah. And the thought of now running it. Does she's her. training, though. She's we training. didn't train. She'll, she'll be incredible. Like, she's got every... Yeah. yeah. We were at uni. That kind of thing was not our priority. Watching friends and eating pizza was our priority. It's definitely. And, and the alcohol, I imagine, also fits. And the it. alcohol. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it's uh it she's she's amazing. And I know you're gonna listen to this, Annie, and I love you very much. And I'm not gonna uh, I can't even talk about it and then I'll just start crying. So that bloody live and started crying on it for freak's sake. So just love you both very much. Do love you too. You know, oh, you have been you around yeah. for a bit. The added extra. And, yeah, the added, you know, only keep you around for her. But anyway, um, but so we've got all of that, all fundraising. I'm going to put the link in the um, show notes. So if anyone wants to donate to Balkans and try and get to 10 grand, what's the cutoff though? When are you going to be like, oh, we've probably done enough? Probably be Annie's birthday. It's yeah. three months after the marathon. About two months. So yeah, I think it'll be done, and that'll be it. So that's that's the aim to get everybody done. 
Um, yeah. Brilliant. Or I might just keep doing it because technically, you know, being scanned for the next 10 years. So just, do it for, <laughs> just keep raising money for 10 years. Why not? And I probably it's will do, to be fair. Long. That just given page may shut down. But we'll keep we'll keep raising money and the awareness of yeah yeah of our cancer. So that's and that's the mission. And what's next for you with this lovely journey? I mean, this cancer is going to be like your best mate, the annoying oh, little mate. It that is, you know, well, it's, 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 it's quite quiet at the moment. It is. So, the, so the, I guess the good news for me was that after the liver was taken out and after they rescanned me, the bowel tumor, which is where the primary tumor was, had disappeared. So they they call it a complete clinical response. And that's obviously really hard to get get your head around um, mentally because everyone else wants you to be really really excited, but but mm. you 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 struggle to be there. So that was brilliant. But what then happens is you get put on what they call a watch and wait. Mm. Um, well, you're given a choice. You can either have your bowel taken out anyway, and that was what I've always been expecting that my bowel would be removed and I'd have a permanent um, my brain, my chemo Stoma. brain. Yes, it's <laughs> Stoma bag. One of the side effects of chemo, by yeah. the way, is, is memory. It goes. This is like when you have kids, Rich, when you're pregnant. It's, now you actually simplifies it. I can, yeah, I can compare to that now. Yeah. Um, so I was given a choice. I could still have that to be 100% sure, um, but there's still a risk it could come back anyway. Or I could go on to watch and wait, which basically means that every three months I have a blood test. I have a sigmoidoscopy, which is similar to a colonoscopy. It just doesn't go as far up into your bowel. Mm-hmm. but it's still as incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beauty of this is every time I have this now, I get sent in a post an enema and I've got to administer my own enema, which for those yep. of you that aren't aware is essentially sticking a tube of liquid up your backside. Wash it out. And squeezing it. Um, yeah. And Annie won't do that for me. She refuses to go that far. How rude. I know, I know. After all I've been through, she refuses to, to, to stick. To wash your bum all out. <laughs> basically um so i have one of those i have an mri every three months as well and i have a ct every six months mm. and i'll have that for two years and then for the next three years after that i will have all of those things every six months and then for the next five years after that i'll have all of those things every year mm. um, including a colonoscopy as well so i'm getting scanned to the high heavens it's not fun nice no. and my most recent one actually i it was afterwards, after I got the results, to be told again, it's fine, there's nothing there. I was, I had a, a complete pop, my bubble just burst, and I ended up having to take most of the week off work because I just couldn't think. People see the jovial, funny, idiot rich, I guess, the one who just mm. dances around the kitchen and sings. Mm. I think Annie's probably the only person that's over the past year sees who I really am. Mm. Um, and I think being the happy person all of the time is really tiring um, it is, yeah. and it takes a lot it takes a lot out of you to hide things so I think it, after getting the results to be told it was all clear I just had this complete pop and I just had to be kind and again I hear you say this a lot by the way mm-hmm. um, about being kind to yourself um god I'm plugging I'm plugging all the things that you you talk about here but um and yeah and I had to be and I I just took some time off work because I was exhausted but mentally, and I just couldn't couldn't do anything really. So I was just uh, a, a miserable sod for a, a week. But then the sun came up again, mm. as in literally the sun came up, um, and it was a new day. 
well, it was a new week for me. Um, and and things were much better. better. And I, I urge everyone that what I've learned through this is, do you know what? You have bad days and you've got mm-hmm. to allow yourself to have really shit days because we all have them and you're not going to change that. And you, you, you can't. You just got to accept it. Put your pajamas on. Put your favourite film on. But the sun will rise the next day um, mm-hmm. and it'll be a new day. And sometimes that's a better day. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's served served me well um mm-hmm. over the past 18 months trying yep. to live live my life by by that and ultimately i talk about being sad sometimes by the way but i do live my life to the full and we do yeah take every day and i don't take anything for granted anymore that's one of my real learnings i just in, enjoy the moment don't worry about spending that extra money on a holiday um yeah. so yeah it's it's taught it's taught me thing i've learned from the, the journey but it's been a it's been a shit one of that. Can I swear on your podcast? Yeah, fucking course you can. But cool. <laughs> it's me. Um, but I would, I think um, I just want to like I am really proud of you for feeling your feelings because feeling that's why they're called feelings. You're supposed to feel them. And um, what we do when when we're p- people struggling, I mean, it's definitely not on the same level. But if I ever talk about my dad dying, you know, I'll make a joke. Oh, my dad's dead. You know, like I'll do, add it a humor, and the reason you do that is to make other people feel comfortable. But yes. you're making yourself feel uncomfortable because what you've been through is really horrific, and it is shaped you in ways that you probably can't even comprehend yet. As well as you and Annie, and I remember, um, you know, when Annie could hear because there was a point where you couldn't say stuff. Like there was stuff I wanted to say, and I knew that she couldn't she wouldn't have been able to receive it but when when she was I was just like one massive win is how much you love each other now like you the love you've got is even you know love each other hard for every day and it's like the appreciation and that that is a win even though you don't appreciate like you could hear that but then now you're like freaking out like we are the strongest we have ever been we joke about it because we like we've always been we spend a lot of time together but we're equally we're very free in the sense of annie's got her friends that she yeah. and we encourage each other to do our own thing but we struggle more now of being mm. apart and i think that's because of this um and we have spent so much more time together um mm. and yeah seen each other at our absolute lowest moments but a few things you said there are right. I have, it's changed me massively. Like, mm. I know it's changed me. Um, I'm not, I'm not who I used to be. And it's definitely, no. I'm not a more negative person, but I struggle a lot more with, mm. with things. But that's fine because I can deal with that. Um, but ultimately, like, I still have, the, the key thing for me is I still have that network around me. I still have the friends and family around me. And you, and you do, you learn, you learn who loves you. You learn mm. who's there for you through all of this um but yeah she is she is lush bless her honey yeah she is lush 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 honey well that was a wonderful conversation bye no jokes um so this episode is coming out tomorrow if you're listening to this right now we're recording it the day before um if you would like one of my christmas poos then you've got till the end of tomorrow to get one Though I am on such a mission to sell all 100, seeing as I've made all the bloody hats for him, I really do want to sell the rest. So I'll probably keep plugging. Um, I mean, you buy a Christmas decoration. If you buy it like early January, you just go in the box for next year, can't it? So 
totally exactly and imagine being one of those unique people there's probably only going to be a hundred people around yeah, is, the world that has a poo hanging on their christmas tree I'm never going to make them again unless next year I decide to do it again to raise more money. But then, but then there'll just be 200 people. So you'll still be unique. <laughs> and it, it um, might be a different colour hat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a pink Christmas hat. Yeah. Then people want to collect them. Or a green one. I suppose green is more Christmas. But anyway. Um, yeah. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story, Rich. Um, I really appreciate it. And um, just very proud of you and just love you all very much thanks thanks for having me as an added extra in your in your life yeah squeeze you in you're kind of important and all that shit Um, and you can't be mean to now because of fuck can't be mean can't be mean i'll just take the piss that's fine i can live live with that okay we've got to do a fake goodbye now i forgot to tell you about the fake goodbye oh okay cool (laughs) fake goodbye we say goodbye properly Oh, okay, cool. Oh, well, it was lovely to be on on this podcast. Fair, fair, vid. I know. I was just well, you what called me vid earlier. You? Yeah, I don't know. If, for people that don't know, my friends call me vid, and that's why everything's vivid. My brand is vivid because of vid. But yeah, on the podcast, I'm Claire. Okay, weird, Claire. isn't it? It is cool. weird when some people call me Claire because I'm like, you've never. Called, I don't know when you've ever called me Claire ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Claire. <laughs> we can edit the last bit out you'll be fine um and thank you for obviously raising awareness and money for bowel cancer because it does make a a huge difference to so many people yeah you're very welcome well deserved all right see you later bye thanks bye 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 thank you so much for listening to the no rest for the vivid podcast written produced and hosted by claire hill and music has been composed by my brother phil Vidler.